Welcome to the Prayer Mentor Podcast, where we are empowering Christian leaders to pray for the harvest. We pray your prayer life will be deepened by this podcast. We are continuing our series on persistent prayer this afternoon. And specifically, today I want to talk to you about gaining a position of authority over the evil one. One of my historical mentors is Reese Howes, a Welsh coal miner who was a part of the Welsh revivals um, about 115 years ago. And for Reese Howes, as he was a part of the revival, they watched many come to know Christ and the power of God was at work as the revival was taking place. And one day, he and some of his co-workers were walking home from a village that they ministered to in the evening and they saw a group of women who were um, alcoholics who were carousing and one of the men among him said where is the power to help these and when Reese Howes heard that the Holy Spirit just quickened his spirit and he accepted the challenge I am going to seek God for these women. And specifically, he thought the the burden that was placed in his heart was to pray for the ringleader, a very notorious character who um, had never gone to any of their meetings, was completely unresponsive to the gospel. And as Rees sought the Lord, um, he had this conviction, I am going to watch her come to know Jesus. 40 days from now on Christmas Day without ever speaking a word to her. I am only going to intercede for her. And he took a hold of this promise or this biblical principle in Matthew chapter 12 verse 29 that um, unless a man bind the strong man of a house, he cannot come in and take the spoils of the house. And so Reese in his mind Uh, came to the conclusion that he could win this woman apart from any interaction with her through intercession alone as the Spirit would lead him. Then he grabbed a hold of a promise in John chapter 15 verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. And he recognized that this answer for prayer, this promise of answered prayer, all rests on the notion of abiding in Christ and letting his word abide in Reese. And so Reese began a prayer effort, a 40-day prayer effort for this woman. And as he began, he set aside time to intercede for her for the 40-day period between the time he began and Christmas Day. Number two, he listened to the Holy Spirit. He would listen for any behavior, any motives that needed to be confessed and to be cleansed. He talked about uh, the Holy Spirit bringing light or light being given up into the sin that's in his life and in his heart. Um, He talked about coming up to the conviction of the Spirit, a new behavior of righteousness. And he would choose to obey Christ's commands. And it was the Spirit who was at work in him, dealing with him on a daily basis with sin that was in his heart, his sin nature. 
as it was revealed, he would come up to um, this, this new obedience to the command of Christ. And he talked about guarding his place of abiding. You see, for Reese, um, abiding meant living in obedience to Christ. Uh, I don't know if, well, he makes no reference to um, John 14, where three times Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. But in the mindset of Reese Howes in his biography, uh, Reese Howes, the intercessor, um, being in a place of abiding was a place of obedience to the commands of Jesus. And he felt like he would come up to that place of obedience by the power of Christ and the strength of Christ working within him. And then day by day, as he interceded, as he um, worked towards in the power of Christ being obedient in areas of his life, the spirit would then engage the enemy and he would be binding the devil. Somehow there was a relationship of Reese's um, seeking the power of Christ to be obedient in his life and the empowerment of the spirit to confront the enemy and to bind the devil. And finally, um, there was a position of authority that was gained over the enemy. And so Reese had these terms where he would guard his place of abiding day by day as he interceded for this woman who was the ringleader of this group of women who were alcoholics. He would come to that place where he would be obedient to Jesus. And um, day by day, he would guard it. He would uh, walk in obedience to Christ. And as he would do that, the spirit would then confront the devil. And in this work of prayer, a position of authority over the enemy was gained. And 40 days later, sure enough, on Christmas Day, this woman was in their gathering to celebrate and to worship the birth of Jesus. Now, it was not an evangelistic meeting in any way. But in the middle of the meeting, the woman fell to her knees and cried out to God for mercy. And on that day, she repented from her sin. She trusted in Jesus and she became a follower of Christ. And what happened was um, a 40-day prayer effort was entered into. The enemy was never confronted. But what took place was a... Um, a pursuit of Christ, a listening to the Holy Spirit, um, a, a confession of sin, receiving cleansing, and then uh, a walking in obedience to the things that the Spirit convicted him of by the power of Jesus and his work on the cross. And then he saw the victory. The, the strong man um, was bound. And this woman who he had no contact with became a follower of Jesus. Jesus taught his followers that they were to persist in prayer. He said, ask and keep asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep seeking and you will find. Knock and keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Jesus modeled by his life um, a persistent work of prayer when he went, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The principle here is found in 
Matthew chapter 12, verse 28 and verse 29. Um, Jesus is healing the sick and he's casting out demons. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they say he's casting out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The agent and the power that gave Jesus the ability to cast out demons was the Spirit of God. And Jesus is saying, as the Spirit is doing this, this is an evidence that the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then he goes to verse 29 and he says, For what man can enter another man's house and steal all that is in that house to loot it, um, to take the spoils, unless he first binds the strong man? Jesus is giving a biblical principle about spiritual warfare. If we are to take ground from the enemy, we have to bind the strong man first. And so Jesus, as he had his public ministry, he's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He has spiritual authority over creation. When did Jesus bind the strong man? Well, I want to suggest to you that Jesus bound the strong man in the wilderness. Jesus was baptized by John. As he was baptized, he was praying and the Spirit, heaven's door opened and the Spirit came upon him as a dove. And it says um, in Matthew, in Luke, that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, Jesus is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says in Luke that after the 40 days and 40 nights, the Spirit fills him and he has power as he returns back to Galilee. And in that moment, the kingdom of God is being ushered into existence. And Jesus begins his public ministry where he's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's speaking with authority and even speaks to nature. And it is obedient to his word. As Jesus is fasting in the wilderness, he's approaching his heavenly father. He's fasting. It's an act of humility. It's an act of dependence saying, God, I need you more than food. I need spiritual power for what I'm facing through these 40 days um, as I'm alone in the wilderness. If we were to look at this from the lens of the upper room discourse, John chapter 13 through John 17, what we would see is that in these 40 days, first of all, Jesus is loving and he's obeying his Father. Um, Jesus describes his relationship with the Father in John 14, verse 31. For the Son loves the Father and does all that he commands. And so, as Jesus is in the wilderness, he's loving on the Father. And he wants to be obedient to all the commands of the Father. We see in John 14, verse 10, um, when Jesus replies or responds to Philip, he says, Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but it's the Father dwelling in me, living in me, who is doing his work. And so, <clears throat> as Jesus is alone with God in the wilderness, he's listening for what the Father's saying. He's not 
um, when he confronts the enemy, he's not speaking of his own accord, but he's only speaking what he's hearing the Father say with each response to the temptations. And what we see that it's the Father dwelling in Jesus, the man, um, where he gains strength. Um, and he is able to be obedient and to resist the temptation of the enemy. So, in the wilderness, Jesus is abiding in the Father. Jesus is fasting, an act of humility, an act of dependence upon God. And the devil comes and he challenges Jesus with the three temptations. And with each temptation, we see an aspect of the world um, that's, that Jesus is being confronted with. Jesus, um, the devil says, turn these stones into bread. It's the um, lust of the flesh. And Jesus responds with the word of God and resists the temptation. He says, it is written. And then the devil takes him up to a high mountain and he shows him the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all of these I will give you. Um, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus again responds with the word of God. It is written. And then the devil takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. And he now this time is quoting scripture. And Jesus responds with the word of God. And he says, it is written. With each temptation, we see um, with turning bread into stones, the lust of the flesh worshiping the, uh, the devil that he might possess the kingdoms of the world, the lust of the eyes, um, jumping down off the pinnacle of the temple, that the people in any one day in the temple, there might be a thousand people in the portico of Solomon, that they would see angels lighting him, lifting him up and bringing him to the ground. And it would be the boastful pride of life. And what we see is that the devil is tempting Jesus with his affections. Who does he love? Does he love the world and the things of the world, or does he love the Father? And in every case, Jesus is loving the Father. He's being obedient to God's word. And with the word of God, he's resisting the temptation of the enemy. And the end result is, when he leaves um, the wilderness, returns back to Galilee, He's filled with the Spirit. He is empowered by the Spirit. And as he begins his public ministry, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What takes place in the wilderness without Jesus ever um, rebuking the devil, binding the devil, what he's doing is being obedient to the Father and resisting the temptation of the devil. The, the strong man is bound. And as Jesus begins his public ministry, he takes the spoils away from the devil. It's interesting to note that J.O. Frazier found a promise of answered prayer in Jesus' words in John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you want. So here's Jesus in the wilderness. He's abiding in the Father. At least I'm going to suggest that to you. That's how Jesus described his relationship with the Father in John 14. He 
was in the Father and the Father was in him. And then um, Jesus limited his words to what he heard the Father saying. And, and in John 15, 7, my word abides in you. And so when the devil tempts Jesus, he doesn't speak his own words. He's quoting the scriptures. It is written. And Jesus binds the strong man without ever binding the devil, without ever rebuking the devil. He just resisted um, the devil and he was obedient to the Father. So what about you? Do you have a burden to pray for someone who's held in the clutches of the devil? It seems as though they are bound, they're in prison, and there's no escape for them apart from an intervention from God. Maybe, like J.O. Frazier, there's a, a position of authority to be gained. Maybe, like Jesus, there is a, a, um, a binding of the strong man that you can take the spoils. Is God calling you to enter into a spiritual warfare for a friend, for a ministry, to deliver them from the clutches, the bondage, the strongholds of the enemy? You may want to enter into a prayer effort for 40 days. Something significant happens when we persist in prayer, asking, seeking, knocking, through a 40-day period of prayer. We have discovered what we call a wilderness prayer effort. We pray for 40 days, for a six-week period. One day a week, we fast for 24 hours. And on that day, if we are a part of a team, we'll come together and pray for one hour, um, listening to the Holy Spirit, asking, seeking, and knocking for the issue that we're praying for. Many years ago, a dear friend's wife was caught in a deep, um, oppressive depression. A few dear women in our church heard about it and they went to her home, anointed her with oil, and prayed for healing of her heart and that she would be set free from this bondage that had overtaken her. There was no progress. The um, deep, uh, oppressive depression still remained. And so my wife and I, we did a Jericho prayer for it. We um, prayed an hour a day for seven days for this dear woman who we loved. And still there was no progress. There was no healing. Then with the executive pastor of our church, um, we, he and I met together and we prayed an hour a day for seven days, a Jericho prayer effort, and there was no relief for this woman. This man was a pastor in our church and in one of our staff meetings, uh, he shared with the whole staff the struggle that um, his wife was having and he said, it is so bad that um, I'm going to have to leave the ministry so that I can care for my children. Our staff responded to him with great compassion. We were moved and we prayed for the next 45 minutes, calling on God to bring healing to his wife, to restore her mental health and her spiritual health so that he could remain in ministry. And as we prayed, 
I, I felt the prompting of the Spirit that we needed to do a prayer effort as a staff for her on their behalf. And I asked our executive pastor if we could consider something like that. And he said, Clyde, you pray about it and you give us a plan. And so as I prayed, um, I just thought we need to pray. I felt like I heard uh, from the Spirit, we need to pray for 40 days. And we need to fast on one day a week for, um, actually in that time, it was a seven day period for 49 days. And I presented it to the staff the next week. They were so moved with compassion and burdened for our friend and his wife that they said, yes, let's do it. And on every Monday, our staff came together, oftentimes with their spouses, and we fasted on Mondays and we prayed for her for an hour every Monday for seven weeks. Uh, I had a team of intercessors who met on Saturday mornings and we prayed for the worship services and we determined that we would fast on Saturdays and that we would pray for her deliverance and her healing. And so we did it. Um, <clears throat> to our chagrin, after one week of fasting, our friend uh, came to us and said, you know, um, we've been going to counseling and our counselor has suggested that my wife needs to leave the house, that it's too disruptive for our children. And so um, I'm going to purchase an airline ticket and I'm going to send her to her parents' home so she can be a place that is safe and I can attend to the children. So he did that that week. And week by week, <clears throat> our staff came together. We fasted an act of humility before God, an act of dependence before God. God, we need you to act on her behalf more than we need food. And we cried out to God. Both our staff on Mondays are Saturday morning intercessors on Saturday mornings. <clears throat> and then after um, five weeks, uh, our friend said that his wife, he was in communication with his wife, and that she was beginning to journal a little bit. Now, her parents were not followers of Jesus. <clears throat> she was not going to a church. She was not getting any counseling. She was just in a safe place in her home with her parents. And on the sixth week, she kind of came to herself. It, it was kind of like Nebuchadnezzar on a rooftop. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, he's no longer this beast and he has his own mind and he's ready to enter into life again. And that's what happened to her. And on the seventh week, she flew back home. And as he was, this was before 9-11, um, as he was at the airport and watched her come, she had this big smile on her face. And he had not seen that smile for over eight months. And he watched his wife um, be delivered by the power of prayer. No counselors, no church. Um, she's in a safe place, but it was by the prayer and the fasting of a wilderness prayer effort, six weeks of prayer, that we saw um, God bring a deliverance in her life. And in the seventh week, the, the 49th day, we celebrated the goodness of God. 
Two things always happen <clears throat> in a prayer effort, and specifically in a wilderness prayer effort. Number one, we always meet with God. Jesus said, seek and keep seeking and you will find. And <clears throat> as we seek the face of Jesus, the Father, the Spirit always gives us revelation um, encounters with the Father and with the Son. The second thing is there's always a breakthrough. Not everything is always resolved and sometimes it gets worse before it gets better as my friend, my pastor friend, saw with his wife. She got worse and he had to send her away before she got better. But there's always a breakthrough. God always he responds to our act of humility and um, dependence as we fast. He responds as we draw near to Him and He draws near to us. Now, <clears throat> if you add then to this wilderness prayer for the whole aspect of abiding in Christ, of loving and obeying Jesus, we're praying about the issue that we're concerned about, and then we're asking the Holy Spirit, we're seeking the face of God. How about me? Where in my life do I need to respond in obedience? Holy Spirit, convince me of my sin. Show me my sin, that I may confess it, that I may repent of it, that I may find cleansing. Then Holy Spirit, give me power to be obedient, to overcome this fleshly sin, this affection for the world, to overcome the temptations of the devil. And as we um, come up to, as J.O. Frazier would say, as we come up to it, to a place of obedience, <clears throat> and we're abiding in Christ, now the Holy Spirit can um, confront the evil one can confront the powers of darkness. And as we guard our place of abiding, he continues to confront the powers of darkness. Why can't he do that in one uh, hour of prayer? I don't know. Jesus taught that we're to persistently ask, seek, and knock. Jesus modeled that um, we're in a, well, he modeled a continuous prayer effort, persistent prayer, as he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, someday, I may gain more insight to tell you about that. I just know that things happen when we pray for 40 days and 40 nights. I know that um, there's always a breakthrough. There's a position of authority gained when we do that. So I want to encourage you to consider in your life, if there is someone in a place of need, is there a ministry that needs a touch of God, needs a breakthrough? If you see that and you believe that God can bring forth a breakthrough for them, you have faith. I want to encourage you to do a wilderness prayer effort. Fast one day a week for six weeks. Um, pray every day and then ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Um, seek the face of God. 
to see your sin and then seek his power to overcome your sin so that the Spirit of God can bind the evil one. May the Lord bless you.